Good. Well, we're starting a new series today called Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks. And so uh, I just want to say, if you're a first-time guest here, we're just so glad you're with us today. Uh, maybe you were invited by somebody. We're just, uh, we're just really glad that you came. So hopefully this will be a, a series that will interest you and something that maybe you can find applicable to your life. And, and uh, so we're going to jump in today uh, just so that you know, because I think anytime you do a series on relationships or those kinds of things, sometimes uh, what happens is we're like, well, is this really for me? You know, you ever had that thought? Like, I mean, maybe it's for those people, but it's not really for me. And, and so I just want to say up front, uh, if you're a student and, and you want to date or you are dating, this is for you. If, if you're a graduate student and you date and you want to date, this is for you. If, if, if you're single and you're dating right now, or maybe someday you want to date, you know, that's, uh, I think this is for you. If, if you're married, see, see, hold on. Cause you were like, wait, what's going on? If you're married, this is for you too. I promise. I promise this is something that will help you. Uh, if you're, if you're actually in a place where you used to be married, and you're trying to figure out what life looks like now, you know, and what it looks like in the future, uh, this series can help you as well. And so, because so, this is what I know about relationships, is, is that they're complicated. It's just, isn't that true? It's just hard sometimes. It's hard to figure out. It's hard to know what to do. And, and so if you are in a romantic relationship, or if you ever hope to be in a relationship or a romantic relationship like that, uh, I believe this series is going to be good uh, for you. And so I, I hope that you would... Commit yourself to maybe come to all the weeks that we have for you because I, I just really believe that when we invest time in our relationships, I, I think they can get better. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you believe that, but I, I think it's true. I think if we will invest time in relationships, those relationships can get better. Um, I do kind of want to start with something that's kind of heavy a little bit, and that is I, I just want to describe to you as a pastor one of the things that really breaks my heart as a pastor. Like, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for a while, and, and one of the things that really kind of uh, unsettles me, it, it, it hurts sometimes when I see it happen, uh, it's, it's really this idea is watching people make relationships or, or make relationship decisions that really undermine their relationships. Does that make sense? And so, so people are making decisions on a regular basis about relationships uh, and it's really hard for me sometimes as a pastor to see them do that, knowing that what they're doing is actually going to undermine the relationship that they're seeking. Does that make sense? And it's really hard sometimes when you see it happening and you're like, ah, right? You, you want to help them. And you know what I'm talking about is like, like you, you even talk to the friend or maybe you see your friend going through this or because it's usually your friend because it's never you, Right. I mean, it's always your friend, and, 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 but, but, but you, you look at it and you think, oh, no, don't, don't go down that path. You know, it's like, did anybody ever tell you that's not a good idea? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just this, this party. It's like, you know that's not going to end well. And, and you know it, and, and you want so much to help the person, but, but you're just kind of aware of the fact that you know how love works, right? I mean, it seems like no one listens anymore. You know, they, oh, I'm in love. And, and, and all, all, all uh, wisdom goes out the, out the window, doesn't it? It's like, I just, oh, I just love this person. <laughs> but, I, but we know 
that something's wrong. And if they make that decision, that decision is going to undermine what they really want, what they're really, really looking for. And one of the things I see in our world nowadays, it's, it's like, it just seems like dating has become kind of like this cereal kind of thing that people do. Now, I'm not talking about the cereal you eat. I'm talking about that it becomes a habit. It's cereal in their life, right? And, and it's, so it's like you go date to date and go over here and date. No, I'm going to get a date. And, and I got an app to get a date. And it's over here. I'm going to get a date to date, date to date, date to date, date. And what happens is, is how do you know if you're doing that right? Right? You know what I mean? How do you know if you're doing it good? And it seems like in our culture, what says, what makes us wonder if it's good or maybe that's what makes it good is if you have a date and you go with this person somewhere and you do something and then you go home and you sleep together and then you know that that was a good date. Apparently. I don't know. But it, but it seems to have, that seems to be something that's out there. That somehow that's how you have a good date. I don't know if that's your story or not. I'm, not. I'm not judging you as much as I'm saying that seems to be one of the things that's out there right now. That, 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 that dating has to end in this way. And if it ends in that way, then maybe it was good. But, but is it really? Is it? Is that, is that what it is? And, you know, you go on dates and, and, and then people tell you, like, there's all these rules you have to do. You know, it's like, okay, I went on a date and... and uh, I know that there are these rules I have to follow. And if, 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 if I liked her or if I liked him, I, I think I'm supposed to not tell them that. You know what I mean? Like, I think I'm supposed to wait. Like, I think I'm supposed to wait, like, at least 24. Is it 48? I don't know, 36, you know, hours before I text, before I say, hey, I really enjoyed myself. You know, I, and, and, you know, and so it can be so confusing and complicated, can't it? It's as to what am I supposed to do and, and what are the rules and how is this supposed to work? And, 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 and honestly, I'm not, I really don't think the world is doing a very good job of this. I think we've kind of messed it up a little bit. I, I look around, I'm like, ah, yeah. It's like, you, you know how you look at the world and you think, that's not going to end well. You know what I'm about? Like you've watched those reality shows. You're like, that, that's probably not going to end well. And you know it. And the truth is that some of our lives look like those shows. If we're honest, we've done some of those things. And, and, and look, again, I'm not picking on you as much as I'm just trying to say this is, this is what I see. This is what seems to be real out there. And as your pastor, as somebody that cares very much about you, even if I don't know you, I do care about you. And the thing that, that, that I see is when we make decisions that undermine the thing that we say we want, it's really hard for me. It's like I want to scream at the top of my lungs and say, don't do it. Please stop. The collective wisdom of God can help you, I promise. I don't know. Because this is what I know about humans. We don't just like wake up one day and say, you know, I, I want to be a liar. You know, that, that's really what I'm looking for. Like, I, that's how I want to be known. I want people to know I'm a liar. Hey, everybody, I'm a liar. I'm good about I'm good at it. I I love to do it. Gonna be a liar for life. Okay? That's I mean, but the thing is, is like what I see a lot of times in our relationships is like we we are going down a path, we're making decisions that in some ways puts us in a place where we have to kind of wanna lie. Does that make sense? Like like at some point, if you if you go from dating to maybe more engaged, you know, kind of relationship, at some point you probably have to tell your story, right? 
I mean, you have to say, hey, this is my story. This is where I've been. This is where I, you know. And so you have to tell the story. And how many of us, you know, in some ways have done things that we don't want to include in the story? You know what I'm talking about? And so you, you're kind of like, I'll just leave that out. Well, that's, isn't that, that seems to be like lying. You know what I mean? Like, I know we, we flub on that, you know. It's like, well, I just didn't tell the whole truth. <laughs> Come on. But here's the thing. That's what happens when we, when we make these choices that are based on a lot of these principles that we've fallen into, and then we, we, we think that someday we're not going to have to tell our story. How about this? Wouldn't this be better? That like maybe even today, like at some point you made the decision that I'm not going to be a liar anymore. Like you're like, I'm, I'm out. I don't want to be a liar anymore. Matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm going to give my life to Christ and I'm going to begin to change some things. I'm, I'm asking him to help me and I'm going to begin to change. Now, now think about this. So you go to tell that story. That's a better story. You meet someone. You start to work on some things and you meet that person and you say, hey, yeah, I really messed up. This is some of the things I did, and I, I feel bad about that, and I, I've repented. I've said, God, will you help me? And then on this day, at this time, God came into my life, and I began to make some choices that were different. And I can say to you that, that I did do this, and so I come to you different because of it. You see what I'm getting at? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a better story. And who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that to be their story? And so I just want to encourage you today and challenge you to think about the fact that whatever, you, whatever you're headed towards, whatever the choices you've made, it can be different. You can tell a different story. I mean, because I don't want you to be a liar. I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I mean, is it not? I mean, hypocrites, that's the reason people don't come to church. They're like, all oh, those Christians are just full of hypocrites. I know they are. <laughs> but so are you. We all have hypocrisy in our lives. We all have masks. We all have duplicity. And, and so, so I just don't want you to, that to be a character of your life. I don't want that to be the thing that people say, yeah, that guy, that gal, they're this. You don't want that. I mean, who wants that? Who wants to be the person that stands up and, and people say, well, that person's a hypocrite. You don't want to tell that. that doesn't want, you don't want that to be your story. I don't want that to be my story. Imagine if the way you treated someone, like, you know, let's say you're in a relationship or you've been in relationships. And, and like, I always like to use this is, is imagine for some of you guys, imagine if another guy treated your sister the way you are treating that young lady, how that would make you feel. And you can flip that over to the gals. But imagine that. Imagine if someone treated your niece or someone as close. Yeah. You imagine? You don't want that, do you? You'd be like, oh, I'm going to whoop somebody's tail. But what, why is it okay for you then? Why, why is that? Isn't that interesting? We don't think about it that way, but I don't want that for you. I don't want you to live that way. I want you to experience a better life. And for some of you ladies in here, I think it's just really, I just got to be really honest. I know you don't want to be a commodity. Because you know what a commodity is. It's something that's bought and sold and at some point discarded. And the reason we allow those things to happen in our life is because we don't understand the value we possess. 
I don't know if you know your value. You know that we ascribe value to things, don't we? Did you know that God ascribes value to you? And that you're extremely valuable to him? And of course it's true of guys too, but, but I just think sometimes we forget that we have value and that we're not called to live less than what God has called us to pursue. So, so often in our lives, we forget these things. And so I know you don't want to be a liar, and I know you don't want to be a hypocrite, and I know you definitely don't want to be a commodity. So what do we do? How do we have the relationships that are going to lead to what we want, what God wants for us? How does that happen? So this series is all about helping you do that. It's all about helping you think differently about yourself, right, and about your future. Get that. It's getting you to think differently about yourself and also your future. Because if we can do that, then what will happen is you'll stop making decisions that are undermining the very thing that you want. And you might actually start to experience the thing that God wants you to have. <coughs> I've had a, I told the last service that I, uh, I, I'm taking the Sudafed or something, you know, it dries your mouth out. Y'all don't do that? <clears throat> Sorry. The, uh, but in, in order to have those kinds of relationships, in order to have those kinds of relationships, the kinds of relationships that we want, we have to begin to address what I, what I would just call some unexamined assumptions. Okay? There's some unexamined assumptions. There's some myths that we've bought into that are not true. But yet we live this way. We, we move towards them like they're true, but they're really not true. And so the first one I want to give you is, is myth number one, and that is the right person myth. The right person myth. Now you'd be wondering, well, well, what is that? Here it is. You ready? Very simple. In a nutshell, once you meet the right person, everything will be right. And, and all the married people in the room went, ha, 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 ha. You're so funny. We sometimes believe this, but we know it's not true. We know that that is not true. But yet we sit and we think and we dream about having the right person. And we know if we just get the right person, everything is going to be right. Because it seems logical, doesn't it? I mean, if you have the right person, everything's going to be right. Well, that might be true in a perfect environment. The problem is, is that humans aren't perfect. And so it doesn't always lead to that. It doesn't always lead to that conclusion. Matter of fact, I think, I think this myth fuels our fantasy and infects our future. It fuels this fantasy that if I have the right person, then I'll get to the right place. But it also destroys our future, infects our future, because if you live that way, then you're kind of anticipating that it's all going to be great. But that's not how it works. And so we buy into this lie and we find ourselves walking around trying to find, are you the right person? Oh, if you remember that Dr. Seuss book where the little birdie was always asking everybody, are you my mother? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? And that's what it's like. It's, are you the right person? Are you the right person? Are you, are you, are you the right person? 
Because if I just find the right person, then maybe, just maybe, everything's going to be right. It just doesn't work that way. And so what we, what we, what we discover based on experience and what we see and, and people that are smarter than us and what the Bible says, we start to figure out that that's just not true. That we desire to find the right person. This is how we find the right person. We find the right person when we commit ourselves to become the right person. When I spend more time becoming the right person, I'm in a much better situation. Because the thing I know is if I will spend time becoming the right person, that person that maybe I think is right or could be right or, you know, whatever, they might be looking for that kind of person that I'm becoming. But they sure ain't looking for the person I'm not becoming. And so we have to kind of flip it around a little bit to begin to think, well, maybe this matters. Maybe if I spent more time not fantasizing about finding the right person and more time becoming the right person, that ultimately it would lead to me finding a person that I can spend my life with. But I'm not deceived. I know that that, that just doesn't happen magically, you know? That there is something to that. Now, let me ask you this question. What does falling in love require? And I know you're probably thinking, well, this and this. It just requires a pulse. You know what I mean? Like, if you have a pulse, you can fall in love. And I think falling in love is kind of a dumb idea in some ways, because it's like falling in love. What does that mean? Like, why do I have to be out of control to do it? Because if you're falling, you're out of control. You ever fell? That doesn't sound like fun at all. And so, so, so anyway, that's a whole thing. But, but I, don't wanna, I don't want to experience love in that way. I wanna, now, do I enjoy the oogly googlies? Sure. Who doesn't like the oogly googlies? I like those. But you can't build a future on oogly googlies. You just can't. You can't. The oogly googlies wear off. Come on. Yep. <laughs> so to fall in love takes a pulse, but to stay in love is a whole different animal, isn't it? It just is. And we know that. And so that's myth number one. Number two, myth number two is what I call the promise myth. The promise myth. And that is that all I need to do is make a promise. Like if that was family feud, you would not score any points. Because see, what happens is a promise then replaces what I'd say is the most important, and that is your preparation. If all you needed was a promise, well, then you wouldn't need to prepare. You just kind of, hey, I promise. Here's the problem. We know that that doesn't always work. How many weddings have we been to that someone made a promise, right? They said a vow. They made a commitment. I think commitments are overrated when it comes to relationships. Commitments are not the things that are going to sustain us in the long term. There's other things involved here that I think sometimes we forget because you can vow all day long. Believe me, people, I am a preacher. I have done weddings. I have sat in, well, not sat, stand, did. 
in front of people and they stare at each other and they say, oh, I love you. Uh, and they, sometimes they write their own vows, you know, and they're, so they, I mean, they just opine and it's just beautiful, you know, poetic. And, oh, you hung the trees and the stars and the sky and, and I just, I'll be with you forever. I love you. Uh, I'll be with you forever. I promise. Uh, I vow that. I commit that. I, till death do us part. You know? In sickness and in health. And I've stood there and I've watched it. And the, the, the guy is, oh, he's crying. The girl's crying. And, and you know that that is not enough. You know it. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's like, oh, that's so cool. But some of you have been at weddings where you're sitting there watching them take the promise or the vow, and you're thinking, this ain't going to work. <laughs> you know you have. They're too immature. They haven't thought about it. They, you know, whatever it is, whatever you come up with in your mind, the thing that you think in your mind that you'll never say to the bride. We've had those thoughts, and we know, because just because you promise doesn't mean that it's actually going to happen. Just because you commit doesn't mean it's going to happen. So if you have a promise and a party, that isn't necessarily going to fix the problem. The party, you may have the best party ever and spend tons of money. So you might end up in the same situation someone else ends up in. Because you didn't understand this. You didn't understand that there's a myth here. There's a myth, a promise myth that we've got to see. Because here's the truth. Promises are never a substitute for preparation. Promises are never a substitute for preparation. And you know what I'm talking about. You're like, okay, whatever. No, no, no. You know. Because here's the deal. Think about academics for a second, right? If someone promised to do something in academics, like, like your doctor, for example, they promise, like, hey, I promise to do well here. Like, I promise, I'm, like when I cut you open, I promise I'm going to do good. But they didn't prepare at all. You know, they, never, they didn't do any of that. They didn't do it. They, they got fast-tracked because they knew somebody, right? And so they're operating on you on a promise. You into that? <laughs> no, you're not into that. You don't want to have anything to do with that because you know that doctor did not prepare to be cutting on you. And so there's a part of you who's like, no, no, no. Like, think about this, Super Bowl, right? Happens today. I think there's two teams playing. I'm going for, I guess we'll go for the Chiefs, amen? How about we'll do that? Some of you are really mad, like, I like the 49ers, I don't care. Imagine Andy Reid, right, coming to the team, Two weeks before, he says, hey, guys, uh, I just want you to know, uh, I promise we're going to win. And the team's like, yeah, awesome. And then he says, but I want you to take these next two weeks off. You know, go hang out at the beach, do what you have, hang out with your family, wrestle with your kids, whatever you're going to do. And then show up at 3 o'clock on Sunday down there in Miami, and we're going to go out there, and we're, we're going to win. I promise you, we're going to win. What? Is that a good strategy? You know what I'm saying? I mean, the, the team would be like, the guys would be like, what are you talking about, coach? I mean, this makes no sense. And so we know that we have to prepare 
to win. We have to prepare to win. And if somehow we substitute the preparation and expect to have it work, we've got another thing coming. We have another thing coming. Imagine me as a pastor getting up here to preach to you and I didn't do anything. Like I didn't prepare, I didn't read, I just showed up. Hey y'all, got something to say. Some of you would stick around. You'd be like, I love this dude, I'm in. Some of you would be like, I'm out. I have no idea what he's talking about. I don't like it. I don't, you know, whatever. And so if I didn't prepare to play the game, so to speak, I wouldn't be able to be successful. And that's the thing. We want to be successful in our relationships. Well, then we have to do some things to prepare. And, and here's the other thing. And some of you in the room are thinking, okay, yeah, I get it. But I'm already married. Yeah, I know. Are you still preparing? Are you still preparing to do the things that you said you would do? Or have you become tired, lazy, bored, whatever? I don't know. Angry, bitter, whatever. And, and then kind of pushed it off and said, you know, that's just going to be bad. Well, it is going to be bad because you're not doing anything to make it better. You're not preparing to make it better. Because see, I do doesn't necessarily mean I can. Just because you say I do doesn't mean you can. And that's why it takes work. So saying I do doesn't make you capable, does it? Just because you said I do doesn't make you capable. Saying I do only makes you accountable. Doesn't make you capable, it only makes you accountable. And then here's the other problem, is if you're in that kind of relationship and you're not capable, it's going to make you miserable. So if you're in a relationship where you're not capable, but you're accountable, you are going to be miserable because you can't win. And that's the thing you've got to see. That's why it's so important that we prepare. That's why it's so important that we do the things that we need to do in order to make that happen. Now, I heard this story the other day, and it was about this lady, or this little, probably 20-some-year-old girl that was talking to her mother, and she was talking to her mother, and she was describing all of these things that she wants in a man, you know? She's like, I want this, and he's going to be this, and he's going to love God, and he's going to have big muscles, you know, whatever. And the mom says, you know, you're thinking, okay, mom's going to help her out here. Mom says, she says, oh, yeah, you're going to get all that. No, she didn't say that. She said something, and I was like, <gasps> she said, that's never going to happen. She said, it's never going to happen until you learn to become the person you need to become. Because the person that you're trying to get is not looking for you. Some of you are like, that wasn't nice at all, mother. Sometimes truth is not nice. It's just not. It hurts, it stings a little bit, but it can help us make us better. It can make us move towards something that's different. And, and I tell you this, I really want that for you. I want you to experience God's best. But I know the only way to get there is that you commit yourself to become the right person and not just look for the right person. You've got to commit yourself there. And here's a question. If you're single or you're married, I'll start with the singles today is that are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? I'll say it again. That was a little tricky. 
You, you write this down and, and put it in your notes somewhere. Are you the person the person you're looking for is looking for? And then for married people, you're not off the hook. Are you still the person they are looking for? Or have you given up? Have you just said, well, I don't, you know, we're married, it'll be fine. Because what happens is we become fat and lazy. And you're like, oh, that's mean. Hold on. We do get a little lazy, don't we? I mean, I weigh more than I weighed when I was in, uh, senior in high school, don't we? I mean, we, it just, it, sometimes it's just, oh, I'd rather sit. I feel the same way. But we also get fat and lazy when it comes to, like, uh, how we relate to our spouse. We don't put the effort in, you know? And, and, and I think we have to challenge that in ourselves. Uh, we really do have to challenge that because... I think it's so important that we're, 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 we're both giving to the relationship what it deserves, you know? And here, I'm just going to, I'm going to help you guys today. I'm going to help you guys. Here, I don't understand this about Valentine's Day, all right? It kind of upsets me. I, I feel like, and it's my feelings, all right? I feel like that on Valentine's Day, there's this expectation that the dudes do something for their women. Like, you, you, you've heard this. Hold on. You're not going to like what's next. And I, I think that's great. I think that's great. But I don't understand the fact that the women sometimes don't think they should do something for their men. Like somehow it's just the girl's holiday. Come on now. So men, I'm helping you. Ladies, do something for your man. Don't just make him do stuff. You do stuff. Right? Come on, that's for free. I'll give that to you. <laughs> and so I need to become the person that God wants me to be. But in order to do that, I've got to do it Jesus's way. I've got to understand how Jesus set it up. I've got to begin to do the things he said do, right? I mean, if I'm ever going to experience that, I've got to do it his way. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this new relational paradigm that I believe Jesus introduced into the world. And we're going to understand it in just a moment. And I think if we will put this into our life, we'll begin to see the fruit that he wants us to experience. Okay? And so I want to look at the Gospel of John, starting in verse 1. Uh, I'm sorry, Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 1. Listen to these words. And I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit but it'll be on the screens. And so starting in verse one, I am, this is Jesus speaking. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. You get that imagery. So Jesus is saying, I'm the grapevine. God, the father is the gardener. Verse two, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit. So they will produce even more. Get it? So the, so the father is pruning this plant, this vine, and in doing so, uh, some branches are falling off and some branches are getting healthier and they're produ producing more fruit because of the pruning. Because if you know about gardening, if you know about like how to do this, you, you, you trim things back in order for them to grow better. And so plants that have kind of gone all crazy, they actually are not growing the way that they can grow if they would simply be pruned so that they can grow more. Getting that imagery. All right. 
So verse 3, you have already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. So Jesus is saying, if you've accepted the message of Jesus, there is some pruning that's probably already happened in your life. And some of you are like, yes, yes, yes. Verse 4, and I want you to notice as I read the, the, the next few verses, how many times the word remain is mentioned. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you, see it, remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. You starting to see it? But he, he's saying, look, this is you, this is me, this is the Father. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He, he doesn't say you can do something, you can do a little bit. He says you can do nothing. So what's he talking about? What's the point? Let's go to verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. And then he goes on again. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And I want to stop there for a second. We'll get to verse 12 in just a moment. Just so that we're all clear as to what's happening. Jesus is that vine. We are the branches. So we're connected to the vine. The Father, God, is the one that is pruning. He's the one that's gardening. Okay? And this is the principle that you've got to see. And this is really the application. Is that you can't bear fruit unless you remain in Jesus. Like, he doesn't say, like, you can produce some fruit. He actually says, you can't produce any fruit. And you say to yourself, well, I'm a good person. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. He absolutely is trying to tell us that you're never going to get here. You're never going to bear the fruit you want to bear. You're never going to see your relationship be what it needs to be if you're not serious about what he's talking about. Because the remaining part of that, did you see how many times it was mentioned? Just for biblical interpretation's sake, if you're ever reading the Bible and you see a bunch of words like this that are repeated, you should engage. You should be like, oh, that's repeated. And so you should figure out what's going on with that word because the Bible is trying to teach you something with repetition. And so that word becomes very important. So what does Jesus mean? What do you mean, remain? What, do you, what does that mean? Well, he goes on to kind of help us see what that looks like. But, but I want to go back here to verse 12. In verse 12, Jesus begins to basically sum it up for us. Because I don't know about you, but like when you think about having a good relationship and you're thinking about commands and you're thinking about, you're thinking about all the things you got to do in order to have it, right? You're like, okay, Jesus, now tell me what it is. I mean, you, you've got me interested now, you know, so what are the 26 things I got to do to have it? But that's not what he does. Look at this in verse 12. He says, this is my command. He didn't say commands. He says, this is my command. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Love each other in the same way that I've loved you. Now, I, I don't know if you know the story. Um, the disciples were hearing this prior to the crucifixion. So Jesus said that. They didn't fully get it yet. You see what I'm getting at? Because they had not seen Jesus demonstrate the way he was going to love them. But he was telling them pre 
crucifixion. What it looked like to love someone the way that Jesus wants us to love someone. You get that? And so what the disciples were seeing for the first time when they saw Christ on that cross is they were seeing demonstrated what it looks like to love, what it looks like to love in the same way that Jesus has loved you and me. Like, we love that. You know what I mean? Like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me that way. But what we have to see is that love that we're so excited about sometimes is the same love he's asking me to give to the person that I want to be with. And we become so selfish sometimes. There's lots of things that kill marriages. There's lots of things that kill relationships. We can say communication, money, all this stuff. But the one killer that I know is always present in relationships that dissolve, it's selfishness. On both sides, usually. And I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying we can do better. And the way we do better is not by trying harder. Come on, stick with me. It's not about trying harder, guys. You've heard me say this. It's about abiding more. It's about remaining in Christ. It's about remaining in his love. It says that Eugene Peterson said, it's about making my home with Jesus. Because see, when I get close to God, when I get close to Jesus, when I spend time in that place, when my head is wrapped around the divine ideas and the love of God, I can then love people better. I can love my spouse better. I can love the people I don't like better. But if I try to do it on my own, come on. You've been doing that for a long time. How's it working? You see, God has so much more for us. And so as the disciples looked at the cross and they, as their breath was taken away by the fact of what Jesus had done for him and his breath left his body, they became overwhelmed. They fully understood what it means to love the way that Jesus loved. And you know, it's a different kind of love, isn't it? I mean, we look at love around us, we see it, we know, see sitcoms and Valentine's and all the gooey, gooey stuff out there. That's not the love Jesus is talking about. It's a whole different love. And I mean, let me just share with you. This is the kind of love it is. It's not a, it's not a permissive love. It's the kind of love that puts people before yourself. Come on. In relationships, it's a way of like, I'm honoring you above myself. It's not about my needs all the time. It's about, it's about me surrendering. It's about me laying my life down for the other person. Come on. This is not easy, is it? Is it? It's not easy. And so you see these lists and the things that, that encompass this kind of love, and you're thinking, I can't do it. You're right. It's, it's this kind of love that I defer to the wishes of others. That's hard. It's hard to lay my life down like that. How about this? It's, it's the kind of love that forgives regardless of what was done. Ah, oh, pastor, why are you doing this to me? It's the kind of love that takes everything that you have and you make it available to the other person so that they can be successful. It's the kind of love that, that, that it's like, I will do unto you the way that the Father or that Jesus has done unto me. 
And you look at that and you think, that's impossible. And all I can say to you is, you're right. It is. It's impossible for me to do in, my, in and of myself. It's impossible for me to remain that way without Jesus. It just is. And that's why we need him. That's why we need to learn to remain in him. And as that divine love begins to flow in our hearts, we begin to pour it out to other people. But you cannot pour out something you don't have. And so you got to recharge. you got to be in the presence of God. you got to get the love of Christ in you if you're ever going to love people the way that he loved people. It's simple, but it's not easy. And so God has a plan for your life that's so much bigger than your ability. And it takes us surrendering and remaining in him. And so here's something I just want to end with. And that is... Um, the only way to become the person worth looking for is to remain in Jesus. And for you married people, the only way to become a person worth staying for is to remain in Jesus. And when you do, you will find that Christ will empower you with what you need to see that realized. I hope that this has challenged you. I hope it's made you curious about what's next. Next week, we're going to talk about the fine print a little bit. In other words, we're going to go dig in just a little bit deeper to what it means to love people and how to do that. And, and so I hope you come back next week. I hope you invite some friends. I believe that God is going to do an amazing work here. Uh, but I want to pray for us as we end. God, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you give to us. Some of us have already had our breath taken away by it. And some of us haven't. And so, God, right now, I just ask that you would be in this room. I, be, I just ask that you would, you would just begin to uh, stir in the hearts and minds of people. Perhaps you're here and you're thinking to yourself, man, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And I, I just keep failing. I can't seem to have this relationship. And, and I just want to say to you, thank you for being honest. Just say to the Lord, Lord, forgive me for trying <laughs> my hardest. And I'm going to learn to abide better. I'm going to learn to remain in you. I'm going to surrender today to that purpose. And so if that's you today, if you're just like, I'm going to surrender, I'm going to remain. I'm going to learn to do that. I want to do that. I'm going I'm to ask God to help me. And so I want to pray for you if that's you. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help anybody in this room that desires to remain in you so that they can become the person that you want them to be. I pray blessing on that decision. I ask that you would empower them for that purpose. You know, and as I've talked, perhaps you've heard me mention Jesus many times. Maybe even you've heard me talk about the crucifixion, about the cross of Jesus. And in that moment that his love was poured out on humanity, that love was poured out, and yet, yes, even for you. And the Bible says that you can have a relationship with a God that loves you. And the way that you do that is by responding to that love in faith. And so as you look at the cross, whatever the picture of that is for you, as you look at that, know that God loves you. And he was willing to sacrifice his life for you so that not only could your relationship with God be restored, 
but at every horizontal relationship you have in the future and right now can be blessed with his presence. And so all you have to do is respond and say yes. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And so if you, you would like to take a step of faith towards a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you that chance. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, what I'm going to ask you to do is just uh, on the count of three, just raise your hand up. I'm not going to point you out or anything. I just, want to, I just want to be able to pray for you. And so if you're here today and that is a decision that you want to make, I'd love to be able to pray for you. And so right now on the count of three, no one's looking around. I just want you to lift your hand up. One, two, three. Go ahead. God bless you. Good, 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 good. Others, love it. So many good, good things happening here, guys. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Uh, guys, uh, we're going to all pray together. So, so everybody in here is going to pray the prayer that I'm about to say. Um, we want to join alongside those that raise their hand. And so if you did raise your hand, I'd love for you to repeat this prayer after me. And, and look, it, there's nothing magical about this prayer. It's just, it's about your heart. Is this what you want? And so God is here, he's present, and he's listening. And so let's say this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be my savior? I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Change me from the inside out. Show me my purpose. I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? Come on. You're getting lazy now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. There you go. There you go.